social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. A problem with your heating system? Call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. 24 hour emergency service, gas boiler, oil burner, Coogan Heating, 401 732 6562. They're helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Explore their services. Look for them on Facebook, and the website is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, to installation, RE Coogan Heating, proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. It's Coogie. It's 24 hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago, our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating 401 732 6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380 99.9 FM can always listen online at our website, dipetro.com. Well, it's Monday. Hope everyone uh, made it out okay with the big blizzard over the course of the weekend. Um, now this week, today, sunny day, get some melting done. I think a lot of people did stay off the roads. And then as the there is good news. There is good news despite all the snow. And the good news is tomorrow's February, so... Today's the last day of the longest month ever, which is uh, January. And then later in the week, folks, there will be some uh, gradual rain, get rid of some of this snow. It's tough. That was a lot of snow. I think the biggest thing is whether or not you lose power. If you, It doesn't seem like there were a lot of power outages, which is a good thing, but it was still a, a massive storm. Again, it throws off the, the businesses. Certainly on, on Saturday it did, and then yesterday you started to see more people that were starting to go out and about a little bit and then also um on friday night you know friday afternoon to friday night so we're in many ways we're fortunate that it was just a uh, a one-day storm now over the course of the weekend i i think you know you also saw some um that w- it was not great for the media this weekend the way the whole tom brady thing went down that was that was not good that was not a good look right it broke on saturday tom brady retiring he was did not make it official in any way boy there's a real danger with certain members of the media that above all all else as opposed to being you know let's get it right it was obvious that their only intent was that they wanted to be first so there's also there's parts of this that someone of his stature what he's done for the game uh what a presence he has been for for them to be uh to be leaking it that way and that went everywhere I mean, that went everywhere until then. It's just suddenly, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks said they spoke to him and he hasn't made up his mind yet and hasn't decided. Whatever it's going to be, you know, that Adam Schefter, who seems pretty shifty, and then shame on ESPN, both uh, go with the story. Someone within his orbit, someone within the, the Brady camp, because it certainly wasn't the Bucks. someone within the Brady camp gave them the impression that it was okay to, to go with that story because that was a, a big one i now the only thing that would really make it wrong would be if he played another season or two seasons then then they were totally wrong but you know that thing just rocketed and it was everywhere and then everyone was coming in with all praise of him it just like took over for the afternoon until they could tamper it down there's um there's a danger with that in the media you know, it's just such a rush to try to get that out, be first. And and if if I were Brady, I mean, I'd be livid. Someone within his camp, though, certainly gave that impression. That, that these were, This wasn't a, like, a cub reporter for the Tampa Bay Times. This was as high level as you get with Adam Schefter, an NFL insider, and then obviously ESPN going with it. So, who you know, they felt that they had the story. He has decided— but the fact that they would break it the day before AFC Championship, 
NFC Championship. <clears throat> There's no reason that to do it right now. If anything, maybe Brady would do it next week or do it after the Super Bowl, but certainly not on Saturday. Certainly not on Saturday. So that was wrong. Now, this other stories that that funeral on friday of the uh, the widow of the new york city police officer who was killed i mean that was what a show of unity by the new york city police police officer killed in the line of duty and and you had this this jerk this woman that was walking around complaining about it saying yeah the streets are closed just because one cop probably wasn't doing his job the right way well, she was terminated. You know, people are fed up with that type of attitude. People are fed up with the disrespect to the police. That was a strong statement by law enforcement, New York City police on Friday. That was a sea of blue down Fifth Avenue as they had his funeral mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. And, you know, that was someone 22 years old killed the line of duty, just some career criminal dirtbag. And they, the, the danger of, a, of a, what's behind, you know, there's a door. He was in his bedroom. What's behind there? Um, called to a domestic. A domestic call, mother calling, problem with the son, and then a door where they can't see the suspect. Those are dangers. Those are dangers for a police officer. But I think people have had it with all the anti-police talk. You also notice when that stuff happens, all the anti-police, defund the police, those people are then nowhere to be found. It's really disgraceful. Something needs to be done. I think it, I think the tide is going to start to turn. Because, folks, right now, police are under attack. It's not your imagination. Police are being killed all over the country. It's, uh, it's absolutely horrendous. And something needs to be, to be done about it. We need to... This, this spike in crime that is being allowed that is uh in violent crimes that have taken off it needs to come to an end that i mean people uh the idea of people that just go into stores and steal and shoplift and it's being tolerated it needs to come to an end all right it's monday you're listening to the john DePietro show if you're ever in an accident pick up the phone and call west fountain auto body today 401-272-3340 were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident... Drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle. Call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best. And if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401 West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired. 401-272-3340. Portion of the program brought to you by the Coesed Inn. Check them out on the website, depetro.com. The Coesed Inn, or Rhode Island tradition, since 1977. Located 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, whether it's lunch or dinner, or drinks in the lounge, whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers. There's always a great crowd. You can link directly to them, and gift certificates are available. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor for AnchorRising.com and is our friend Justin Katz. Justin, I want to start off with this, um, this tweet that Kathy Gray of the Providence Journal has put out that seemingly she has connected the dots that there is someone that's been doing a poll asking about how would voters feel about an outsider, someone who's not a politician, mentioned Governor McKee. And apparently, you know, I've heard rumblings that the Republican Party 
think they have this candidate and uh and it's a it's a woman and has these young children and it kind of matches up with what i had heard and it turns out this it's it, it's this person ashley uh callis i believe and she was an illinois worked with the governor of illinois um I believe her husband is a doctor and somehow they ended up in Rhode Island because of COVID doctors, something about COVID. Um, we haven't heard anything official from her, but I, I'm just curious your thoughts on, on what is obviously like a, a developing story. Well, uh, I've never heard of her. And uh, so I, I, the, the concern is that you've got the Republican party out grabbing for uh, and it's as we've discussed many times, the problem they have in Rhode Island is they quickly, um, they if you enter politics on the Republican side, you can quickly go all the way up to the top. There's there's no friction because they just yeah. need candidates, particularly candidates that might have some ability to self-fund. Uh, and so that's the concern. If this is somebody who really wants to be engaged in a, in a conservative or Republican side of things, uh, those being two very different things sometimes, uh, then it's, it might not be the best to have her really running for the top race. I mean, what happened to General Assembly seats or treasurer? I mean, I don't know enough about it. I know she's been in business. Why not run for something like treasurer, secretary of state, uh, anything on down the line? It just seems a an aggressive place to start, which might not be terrible if it's consciously part of a longer play because it'll be high profile and she can she can become a player if she's intending to stick around. So it's it's hard to say at this point. That's that's kind of what I'll be I'll be looking for. I mean, apart from trying to understand what she actually stands for and would actually do as governor. Yes, I had um, what I find, uh, Justin, about this. And again, folks, it's this woman. I, I like you. I mean, I don't know her. What I find troubling. She seems to be the person that was described to me. I was told about someone who could self-fund, who was a business person, uh, even has, you know, the young children. And then um, what, what I just find troubling is it's it's not only an outsider. I mean, I. If this seemingly is the right person or same person, it's someone who has lived in the state maybe two years, if less than that, uh, less than that, that not only did they want to be on the Republican team, they want to be the captain of the Republican team. I agree with you. I, I'm more troubled that individuals who I spoke with thought that this would be a good candidate. I mean, we're, we're it's just it's not happening. Someone who says, hey, I just moved to Rhode Island a year ago. I want to run the place. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it's absolutely not happening. And, and I don't care what the views are, Republican Party or anything. They, they don't stand the chance. Uh, you know, this is a we're, – we're not a transient type of state, you know, like a, a New York or California where a lot of people are from somewhere else. This is – or Florida, what have you. I mean – it's just it doesn't to me, it doesn't matter how much money they have or what the, some of their views may be. Um, they're an unknown and, and they don't even really know the place. So, you know, for, for I, I just find it's a disturbing development if this is and it looks like the, the individual that the Republican Party that I've talked to seemingly thought like this would be a, a good candidate. That's what I find the most troubling. And though that's a that's a good point. And but I do what I do leave open though is the possibility she could message it like, you know, I just wanted to get involved and they needed somebody to, to be in this position. I'd do a great job. And so I'm running uh, as my first step of being more deeply engaged. I mean, there is some room to measure uh, message in that regard. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the problem that the, the state party has, which is it's almost like they've got to just put their foot down or something and say, no, I'm sorry. Uh, we do need a candidate for governor, but we have these standards. <laughs> you start somewhere lower and work your way in and prove your prove yourself. But, you know, that's these are the kind of candidates you're going to get when there's nobody on the field that you could even, right. people like us could even name. Right. Yes. Uh, and so if you want to have somebody on a ticket just to be ma maintain your validity as a party and in case something crazy happens, like all the all of the. Uh, the Democrat candidates get COVID or something during a debate, you know, who knows, but if something wacky happens where, or, or, you know, the president of the United States has sub 10% approval rating on a Democrat side, you want a candidate in there. 
Uh, so it, it couldn't be, it, it depends how it plays out. I mean, if she, if they're the base with Dave Darlington, who's the announced can uh, oh. also kind of known, I mean, you'd get the benefit of having, having some play in Rhode Islanders, having a chance to get to know her. Wow. Um, so I, I could see an advantage to that. Uh, but again, it depends how seriously she plays it up. I agree. That's a problem, especially when we're talking about, say, Seth Magaziner and people saying, you don't even live in a district. Yeah, but he's right. clearly a Rhode Islander. Yes. <laughs> There's just no argument about that. that. Yeah, exactly. And so that's going to be a very a, a tricky overlap for somebody like that to play, particularly at this time. You, you see it. And, and again, folks, our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at Horizon.com. It's, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's condescending. It's uh, Clay Pelton that, hey, good news, Rhode Island. I've agreed to move back to be your governor. Um, it, you know, Barry Hinckley was a, a guy that made his money in Boston, but then he used to summer Newport. He was like, hey, guess what? I'll, I'll be the senator from Rhode Island. It's a cheaper seat. Um, we, we're not a bunch of local yokels around here. This isn't Mayberry. I mean, I, I know that someone coming in from Illinois and Chicago and they think, oh, my God, I'll just go in there and plop down, you know, a million dollars and I'll take over the place. It, not so fast. It, it doesn't run that way. Let me just say this. I, I haven't seen anyone do it successfully. I mean, Bruce Sundland um, was from here. Granted, he was a businessman ran the outlet company, ran outlet broadcasting, which at the time even owned Channel 10. Um, you, you know, that was someone that he, he was here and established, even though he had lived in, in D.C. Steve Laffey was from here, and then he, he moved back to run for mayor. So, I mean, you do have some instances. Ramundo, granted, her, her Boston, her uh, company, Point Judith Capital, was in, was in Boston, but Still, she went to LaSalle and, and lived in Smithfield and so forth. I, I just think if someone, you know, yeah, it's nice to get some fresh blood and someone that doesn't want to get involved. But I, I just think it's an overreach to say, yeah, and I'm going to run the place. I've never held elected office, but this is your lucky day because I've agreed to come in and I'll be your governor. I mean, it just <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work that way we're not all a bunch of you know pump country bumpkins here for crying out loud um if someone said that and said i want to run for as you said for general treasurer i could almost warm up to it or even my god we're still looking at the secretary of state but um i think she's even married to a doctor so then it's like you know someone that's like a doctor's wife is like all right i'll be a doctor and you can run the state of rhode island I mean, this is just, you can't get much more insulting than that. But again, what I find troubling is I heard from two people like, oh, no, you do like this person. I, I don't, it, it's to me, Justin, I'm just trying to be candid. It's, it's irrelevant what their national views are when they've basically been living in the state for maybe, maybe 18 months, probably, you know, more closer to just one year. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, that, that's a, a great yeah. point. And I think, but hopefully if the, she does run, she'll, she'll at least be able to bring some sanity of idea of this is how it's done elsewhere in the country. I think there is some taste for that on a Republican side. Uh, but I, I agree with you. The, every candidate, I, I think of Steve Laffey, you know, long articles about his family and his brother and growing up in Cranston. I mean, it, it didn't matter where he ultimately moved right he was from rhode island exactly. you have to have some yes. or or if you weren't from here you've been here for a number of, of years you know you, yes. you're a couple decades uh there, there's i've definitely picked up in my time here that kind of sense oh you're you only moved here 22 years ago well all right you're new you know so there, even that attitude does exist so that that's going to be a challenge and it, it, there is a, a some opportunity to to play on that from the democrat side i'm sure yeah Folks, quick break, a lot more politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorrising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, automatic delivery, Budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable, 
fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial, it's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil. Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorising.com. Well, Justin, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on last week. I, I thought, uh, if anything, the blizzard kind of saved uh, Governor McKee because the week that he was having with everything that happened with Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott, I want to give credit. Channel 12 with ones that it was just a week ago broke the story that uh, it turned out when she, when she left, they said she was then agreed to be a consultant for a few months. But Channel 12, to their credit, they broke the story that it was it was to the tune of forty six, forty six thousand a month for for three months. That's four times her salary. And all week long, uh, to me, Governor McKee could not come up with good talking points. And then Dr. Scott, I think, complicated matters by saying, well, the governor offered it to me. I I was trying to make sense of it with the governor, someone who's making twelve thousand a month. And then uh, says, that's it. I'm leaving. Here's my two week notice, two weeks in the middle of a pandemic. And then uh, suddenly now we find out there's this very unusual agreement where she'll be paid 46000 a month for March, April in May, 46000 each month. So I think that comes to the tune of right around 138000 yeah, it's well, I mean, it's basically like a one year severance package where yes. she's agreeing to kind of be on call to help out uh, transition potentially if, if requested. Uh, yeah, I, a lot of strange, strange information floating around. I mean, it's it sounds like she wanted to leave. McKee said she said she had some kind of window of opportunity. Window of opportunity. And so he wanted her to stay and yet there's some indication you know he wasn't happy with the job she was doing and they had policy disagreements so it's not clear exactly what's happening and you know window of opportunity unless she knew Landrigan was uh was leaving she has said she's considering running for congress so i don't know what window of opportunity other than that she was talking about uh but i think what, what strikes me is she's in a a very good negotiating position. And that might be the window of opportunity. I mean, even if McKee thinks she's doing a terrible job, you know, the, the numbers aren't great in Rhode Island. People aren't happy with the way things have been going with COVID. Uh, Hospitals are in desperate desperation. Even if the governor thought she was doing a terrible job, he couldn't even say that in public because uh, for racial reasons, because the media loves her. She's been on in front of them all every day for a year couple of years they like that the they felt comforted yeah yeah exactly and so i he, she, she kind of has him over a barrel when it comes to negotiating a severance package because he can't he can't possibly say anything to the contrary he can only say uh yes she's been great and it's we're sorry to see her go and and that's pretty much you know it's pretty much it and when that's the case she can go and say hey i want a year's salary folks again we're speaking with uh, justin katz our segment is politics this week. Justin, you know, if we want to be comical about it, her window of opportunity was she found out about a three-month con- consulting job at the state of Rhode Island that pays <laughs> 46000 a month. That was the window of opportunity. I, yeah. I think, um, you know, there was so a lot thrown in on this Dr. Scott leaving. I, I think, to me, the larger part is this is another example where Governor McKee, he just, you know, he's kind of slippery. They play fast and loose with the truth. Um, he wouldn't call it. He he was absolutely intent that he wanted it to be that it was her idea to leave. She said she had this window of opportunity. He wanted her to stay. Um, I agree with you. This sounds like leave. I'm not going to resign. What is it going to take? She even said after she told him it was or he said, I'll have my lawyers call your attorneys to negotiate. So. So now we're negotiating something. Um, what is there to negotiate? It wasn't to stay, right? Like more money. I want more money uh, in, in order to stay. And, and on top of that, if, if he was able to negotiate her down to 46000 a month, what, what also remains unknown is how much was she asking that they had to negotiate her to get her to 
46000 a month. I was asking him about it at the COVID briefing on Thursday. He seemed clearly uncomfortable. He just seemed to always come back to reiterating her points. But I, I think you've also touched on something, and that was the reaction from the media when, when announcing that, that she was leaving. Um, it wasn't his imagination. There was an established narrative that she was like some kind of a hero that stepped in. Nothing negative was to be written. And he would have faced an uphill climb if he had tried to communicate to the media that, that she was doing a poor job. Right. I think and I think those are the, the sort of the twin problems that Makia's had, the, the slipperiness, as you mentioned, you know, you know, you can't really know what the truth really was and why it was happening. That and his his failure to kind of assert any kind of leadership or authority or, or position. It's always he wants to be seen almost as just the, the friendly guy managing things. Uh, he, he doesn't want to take the risk of setting a path and saying, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And we saw this recently with the other things like the uh, he had quietly uh, proclaimed school choice week uh, for the first the first governor of Rhode Island to do so. Yep. Not nationally school choice week took said, hey, look, Rhode Island proclaimed us. And then he backtracked. Oh, that was an accident. You know, somebody somebody put my signature on it. Oops. Uh, you know, it just maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But either way, it shows poor management or just this, like I'm saying, this failure to lay out a policy to say, look, I'm the governor. I'm not happy with what Nicole Alexander Scott has been doing for work. We're having problems with hospitals. Uh, we're in a new phase of the pandemic and we need new face and new new blood in that office. I mean, he, that he he just won't take a position that strong because he he's afraid of the media. And I, I think that's that's as big an indication of a, a problem for a governor as any. I mean, you're just going to be jerked around by the news media all the time. That's kind of a dangerous uh dangerous position for voters to to accept as like for a leader it it is and justin just to expound on that he would have had cause i mean we are as i've said we're the only new england state that the Biden administration had to send in emergency medical relief that's on her ken hospital written up in the washington post seemingly you know people drawing blood in the car how about the channel 12 a woman stitched herself after waiting five hours she's finally left rhode island hospital is a mess he certainly had cause we're hearing behind the scenes that when that when that memo leaked um r- right in early december to the boston globe that showed he had been briefed that things were ramping up he kept saying we were ramping down at thanksgiving that supposedly just set off a powder keg where then he was from what we understand um he was accusing either her or that tom mccarthy who also quietly left but um of, of leaking it. So my point is he, he would have had just cause because the past few months for whatever reason, she, she's in charge. She, she did drop the ball, right? We, we things had, did get bad. I mean, they're slowly getting better now, but it's the nature of him with these, these talking points of, I wanted her to leave to stay uh, window of opportunity. You know, she's leaving. Justin, let me ask you this. Do you think, now she's going to be getting forty six thousand month of March, forty six thousand month of April, forty six thousand month of May. Is it is it fear of the media to continue to follow up with the Dr. Scott story in finding out? All right, so what did she do to earn that money the month of March? How much did they have to contact her the month of April? You know, how, what did she consult on the month of May? I mean, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the basic role that people think the news media has. And one of the reasons we sort of tolerate their role in, in reporting news and, and bias and such is to keep an eye on on that sort of thing. I mean, they, they better be, right? They better be checking back every few weeks. What are taxpayers getting for their money? Uh, and I mean, even, even that we wonder if they will is kind of a, a, a dangerous sign of, of how our news media is doing lately. I mean, it's, it's some of them, you th- you know, I've seen arguments about pay equity. Why, why shouldn't she get that much money? So I think there is that attitude out there. And, I, and some of the outlets certainly know it. We'll cater to that. But I, I think we'll, we'll get periodic check-ins, whether we'll get any, any honest answers is another question. Yeah. That type of um, <clears throat> the pay equity thing, they were missing the larger point. It's not that she should get it because she's staying what they these people completely miss the point is the fact why should she be getting it she's leaving uh and it just doesn't work that way where someone just announces this huge 
payout. So anyone that was arguing, I think it's good value. She's worth it. She's worked hard. It shouldn't be, you know, you even had a Republican councilman of Cranston saying, you know, once again, a woman's going to get high pay and people. That, that's not what it's about. It's about a governor not being fully transparent of, you know, someone leaving. And that was completely unknown that she was going to get the, the 46000 a month. Folks, quick break. A lot more politics this week with Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorrising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508 252 3359 in rhode island propane plus number 401-885-4209 it's the johnson family it's propane plus the leading full service provider of propane to rhode island and southeastern mass not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries but they can service your entire heating cooling system and install any propane or natural gas appliances locations in east greenwich and also in rehoboth remember propane plus is energy for everyone it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and also now it's renewable online at propaneplus.com propane plus heating and cooling in massachusetts call the rehoboth office 508-252-3359 and in rhode island 401-885-4209 you can depend on propane plus into brood awakenings and discovered the brood difference two locations in johnston also in cranston pontiac avenue and then also bald hill road in warwick brood awakenings their local fresh ingredients cozy environment great comfortable chairs delic- delicious breakfast sandwiches lunch great drinks and coffee and plenty of room to spread out and meet people i'll see you and you'll discover the brood difference at brood awakenings our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Well, Justin, uh, you did mention the Seth Magazine earlier. I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. Uh, even after Dan McGowan wrote a column telling him not to do it, he left the race for governor. Uh, I, again, I, I um, sold on, on he's as slick and uh, well-groomed as, as some people seem to say. When he announced for, if you remember when he made his announcement governor, he then... Uh, you know, ran away from the reporters, jumped in the car, said, no, I'm going to answer questions at the next event. You have to cover my next event. Drove away in Florida plates. But this time he said, you know, it was a very long, hard, difficult week. I couldn't get, decide, do I want to be the governor or do I want to be a congressman? I think it reeks of entitlement. What do you make of, even though it is a live in the district, Seth Magaziner announcing he, he wants to now run, will run to get that Langevin C Congressional District 2? Yeah, well, I mean, it is another thing I think it was Dan McGowan wrote was, you know, it's a once in a generation opportunity, which I, as we discussed, I think last week is that's a terrible way to think of Congress. You, you shouldn't see these as lifetime appointments. But, it, you know, I in that regard, at, much, at least I have some sympathy with Magaziner. I mean, it is a once in a lifetime opportunity to, to have a, a lifetime seat in Congress, at least until Rhode Island loses a congressional seat. And he'd have, yep. have to face off against Cicilline. But it does. It does. I mean, Magaziner makes a fair point in that he's currently a statewide office holder. So it's not like he hasn't campaigned or, or served, so to speak, those communities. But it doesn't play well to say, as your congressman, I'm committed to moving to your district at some point in the future. I mean, that just does not, that just does not sound right. Uh, but what I think mainly indicates is he, all of the messaging on this, it's a national, they play yes. it as a national yep. issue. And, and I get, I mean, yeah, I get the state, Democrat fundraising emails, and they're all, we have to stop the Republicans. And it, it always oh. kind of makes me laugh out loud. Like, Island, are you serious? Um, not really an issue you have in Rhode Island. Uh, but so I think that's going to be his focus. You know, he's still mentioning Trump and Kevin McCarthy, which who most Rhode Islanders would probably say who. Um, right. So I think that does open up a an opportunity on the Republican side, particularly for like an Alan Fung, who you've, you've mentioned is, is very <laughs> he honeymooned in the state. He's so de- devoted to it um, yeah. that, that that local attitude is going to be even stronger in a race against Magaziner. But it is that arrogant. I'm a, a 
I'm the progeny of a Democrat partisan stalwart from decades ago, and I'm still here and I'm going to run for Congress in a district I don't live in uh, because we have to keep this seat in Democrat hands. I think there's a lot of room for the Republicans to say, well, well, why is that? What are you going to do for us as a member of the minority in Congress for the next two years anyway? Yeah, I I don't think that's I I, uh, I'm not sold on that messaging, because, as you said, you know, you're you're running around the second district saying, listen, we have to stop. The Republicans are coming. The Republicans are coming. It's a message of fear. And also, it's one that, like, what are you talking about? We're a, a Democrat-led, completely one-party-dominated state. So, I, you know, to, to come right out of the box, like, I'm running to stop Trump and Kevin McCarthy. I, I, I get it. Those are the national talking points. But I, uh, I don't think that's a winning one. I don't think it's one that resonates I also think it speaks volumes that as much as they try to be and they talk to themselves as the, you know, the party of the people and diversity and a lot of different voices. It's it's a white male that's looking to replace another white male. Uh, who cares that that Ed Pacheco's in the race? Who cares that, you know, there's there's no uh, woman in Congress from the Democrats? Claudine Schneider was a Republican. Uh, you know, it, I just think it's a lot of talking and magaziner. He's going to have a tough time with with um, with just the entitlement element. As Dan McGowan wrote, he comes off as like an arrogant, uh, you know, entitled rich kid who just expects the seat to be handed to him. Now, Dan McGowan, on the other side, so far, it is still uh, Bob Lancia and Jessica De La Cruz. But I, I think that that Globe story that showed what a, a, a Fung magazine or matchup would look like. I think that's why people need to understand that the Democrat Party seems to be so fearful of former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung because he did even better in CD2 than I thought he did. He, in 2014, he beat Gina Raimondo in, in CD2. He, he beat her there, which is no small feat. Um, obviously did well in different parts of the district, and uh, and you can see why they seem to be so concerned about it. So. Any other thoughts on the potential Fung candidacy? Well, I do think, I mean, he he has to be think, thinking about it seriously, not be, only because it's obvious and it's a you know, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so they say. Um, but also you'd think he'd have you know, squashed any talk out of the Boston Globe and other outlets if he were not considering it. So he's, he's clearly he's – clearly, deeply thinking about it as, as just as a person, he should be. I mean, that's a, that's a big opportunity, but I do think, I mean, it's exactly like we were talking about the, with the, uh, the Republican running for governor, you know, he, he Alan Fung is Rhode Islander, you know, he right. has been forever. I mean, he's, he, he married in the state. He ran a city in the state. He was popular yep. as a mayor, no, no major controversies. Uh, and so he can really play that. And he did run for governor. He did, did, well especially in that district so it, it's it's a it's a strong hand and he can definitely add into that you know the republicans are probably going to win nationally you need a strong hand in there and he, you know, he can even play against some of the the more conservative elements and say you know i'll be a more moderate representing rhode island I mean, he's got a lot of room to to move and a lot of a good story to tell compared with magaziner who, you know, all right, I, I was kind of a by the book treasurer, um, the son right. of a, a far left academic um, progressive uh, who wants to represent you, as you said, in, in this district in order to um, in order to stop Republicans, which isn't necessarily going to play there very well. But I, and I, and I think that that's an indication that he's he's might face some issue that he has to say things for the primary uh, in order to that, that are going to hurt him as a as a general election candidate, because he's definitely the national message. We've got to stop the Republicans is definitely a, a primary message versus a general election one. And one thing I'll say, you know, Mayor Fung is he's resilient. He's he's run and lost. I mean, people know that he, you know, ran for governor twice and lost. He, he lost running for mayor first time out. So he is someone that I, I think has learned from that, but it didn't stop him from running again and then he was the mayor for, for 12 years so i i think uh i think he makes a very strong candidate we'll see how this obviously starts to shake out over the next couple of weeks now justin katz touch on a little bit you wrote with on uh, anchor rising about the unions about north kingstown and just uh bring people 
Give some insight as to what was behind writing about that situation. Well, what sparked it was Ramona Bessinger, who's gotten some notice across the country as a yep. teacher, a sort of dissenting teacher in Providence. She lives in North Kingstown. And so she asked them about these things called equity audits in North Kingstown. And, and we're seeing them all over the state. I've, been, I've written a few things about Portsmouth. They're, they're in other places, too. Uh, basically, they hire a, a progressive group to come in and run surveys and and figure out how they can better serve minority and marginalized voices. But Ramona requested the documents related to an equity audit in North Kingstown, and they came back entirely redacted, black lines through every bit of text, wow. which just goes to show they, they don't want the public to know what they're doing. Uh, and that's that's really what it is. And so I think I encourage people to, to look into what their own towns are doing and look into if their community has a diversity, equity, and inclusion subcommittee is what they call it in North Kingstown, because the language is really, it really gives away what they're doing. In this case, really what the equity audit seems to mean for them, of course, we don't know because they redacted the entire thing, but what it seems to mean is they're going to investigate the attitudes that parents are teaching their children because they think the idea of a colorblind society is racist, and they want to change that in order to shift resources toward minority people, even in a place like North Kingstown, which is 83% white students still, uh, that, that I think indicates people who are not concentrating on educating children. And I, I didn't write necessarily about a union connection, but it's clear that the, the, the labor teachers unions nationally, certainly, and it filters all the way down locally, uh, are, are all on board with this far left agenda, pushing uh, anti-racism and critical race theory. Uh, and so it's, there's really nobody, if your school committee and your teachers union are on the side of, of the far left progressives on this, there's really nobody looking out for uh, the actual students except their parents. And I think that's one reason we've seen a lot of kind of parent movements across the country. Folks, he is the managing editor of AnchorRising.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, great job as always. Uh, good luck shoveling out and we'll talk to you again. <laughs> Thank you. You too, John. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401-688-0517. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement, your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brothers Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brothers Disposal, 401 401- 688-0517. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Look for them on Facebook, Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway, 401-688-0517. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Well, as we've talked about been tremendous amount of violence towards police officers. Two New York City police officers shot on Friday night. Another uh, officer in Houston shot over the weekend. Joining us right now is Lance LaRusso, former law enforcement officer and also an attorney. And uh, Lance, th this has been a, uh, a trying and a terrible start for the new year with the amount of attacks on police officers. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, and it's a continuation of what was happening last year. Ambushes on law enforcement were up 115% in 2021. We had about 346 officers shot in 2021, and those numbers on 2020 were even high. Right now, what do you think? I mean, these numbers we, we had, as you mentioned, you know, last year, crime is rampant. What is happening uh, and is there a pattern with these individuals that are, are directly shooting police? So it, it, whether there's a pattern or not is a really interesting question. And when we talk about patterns, just hold that for a second, because the entire crime analysis process has been called into question as being biased. But what I think you're hap what I think is happening is there are people in society, and some folks don't want to believe they exist, there are people in society who will prey on weaker people. They will seek out opportunities to steal and assault people who are not able to defend themselves or who don't have the resources to defend themselves. And when law enforcement is downsized, when law enforcement is discouraged from doing their jobs, when law enforcement is penalized for doing their jobs, 
the people who are victims are going to be victims more often. What has been, um, you know, I, I saw on social media, uh, Geraldo Rivera, uh, Fox, who's in New York City, he said that it's time to return to stop and frisk. I'm just curious, Lance, if there's certain policies that because of uh, progressive pressure, you know, that they have scaled back on, but some things that could could maybe aid in this. Oh, there's no doubt. In the stop and frisk policies, you know, I'm sure that there were people who were aggrieved and they had an ability to bring those claims to a court. But the stop and frisk litigation was fraught with problems. There was a lot of issues. Uh, Heather McDonald with the Manhattan Institute has, has documented a lot of this. There were a lot of problems with that litigation in the cases that they brought forward. But the stop and frisk philosophy the, that's well settled in United States Supreme Court jurisprudence from 1963 leads to, to an officer to have the ability to frisk somebody if they believe they're involved in criminal activity and they believe that they may be armed. And that is basically what has been used in a lot of jurisdictions to uh, keep people from committing crimes before they happen. You know, and, and this is where you have somebody that an officer knows is a convicted felon. The person is constantly adjusting their waistband. And we know that they have a reputation for carrying firearms. It's the officer being able to go up and pat them down and remove the firearm from them and make the arrest before they wind up shooting somebody with the gun. Folks, again, we're speaking with Lance LaRusso, who is a former law enforcement officer, also an attorney that represents police officers. Lance, I would, would you also say, you know, last week we saw the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, he apologized, it's kind of comical, he apologized for using the word gang. Um, we saw that locally, the mayor of Providence he instructed all police, they're no longer supposed to use the word gangs, they're supposed to say just groups of individuals. But as a result of that, gang violence has absolutely spiked. Well, it shouldn't surprise you. I mean, it's a four-letter word, but it's one you should use quite often when you're talking about law enforcement and crime. And the bottom line, when we look at these crimes, when we look at the rampant property crimes in communities, people breaking into cars, when we look at petty thefts, when we look at this organizing shoplifting, when we look at murders and armed robberies, those crimes overwhelmingly throughout the United States are gang-related. And what's really interesting, instead of trying to attack the fact that gangs are recruiting sixth graders and ruining their lives, mostly children of color, ruining their lives, instead of attacking that, they're saying we're just going to put our heads in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist and sanction the officers who are recognizing and trying to deal with the problem. Lance, I'm just curious if you also feel there's an effect with, uh, you know, all of the protests, the anti-police. I've attended, you know, some of these uh, defund the police rallies, anti-law enforcement, cops are just killers, uh, high-profile cases of various officers on trial. I'm just wondering if you think that has an, a, a trickle-down effect that in, in some of the criminals, the very dangerous people's minds, it, it almost justifies for them that what they're doing is, is you know, a just cause. You know, whether the rhetoric justifies it, I don't I don't think so. I think it's just taking advantage of the opportunity. The defund the police movement is the fastest conceived, implemented, and failed U.S. policy in history. And, and it's failing every day. And law enforcement knew it was going to fail. Law enforcement knew that the people that were going to be victimized and, and be, be more exposed to being victims of crime in a defund the police environment – was not going to be the people that were hiding behind metal, metal detectors and gated communities and, and armed guards when they went to work. It was going to be people in poor communities who relied on the police to keep them safe. And what about, um, do you think that it is a lot of the politicians and some of the, the attitude in laws being enacted, that that's what's causing this spike in, uh, in high crime? Well, it's certainly empowering people who are bent on being criminals and victimizing people and when we look 20 years from now we will see those trends but even the people that see now that their efforts were incorrect and, and i'll give them the benefit of the doubt ignorant and misguided they don't want to admit they're wrong and the more they don't admit they're wrong the worst problem we're going to have so if you look at what uh, you said the governor's uh california said we're not allowed to use the word gangs okay well this is the same state that is breaking up gang databases because they're biased well what's their solution the reason they're coming after law enforcement and the reason they're trying to use all this rhetoric in the media is they are afraid to tackle the really difficult problems hmm. they don't want to tackle the fact 
that in communities where people are poor and struggling, we have kids having their, their youth and their lives stolen by being recruited into gangs. What do you make of the situation in New York City? You have a new mayor there. He ran on being a former police officer, said he was going to restore law and order to the streets and make the streets safe again. And I'll tell you, it's been a, it's been a disastrous first month for Mayor Adams. Yeah, I think that people saw in him um, an opportunity to have somebody who really understood law enforcement. Now, I think that, like you said, the jury's still out. It's, it's very early in his administration. But people saw, all right, well, maybe we got somebody who understands both sides of the equation, somebody who really understands law enforcement. But I think the problem for people in New York City is it's going to take years to turn around what four or eight years of this nonsense has started. Yeah. You know, the individual that murdered the New York City police officer and oh. shot another is a dangerous individual who has got to be taken off the streets. Oh. And until he is taken off the streets, the community is in danger. Not the NYPD. Yep. The community is in danger. That's right. Folks, again, he is Lance LaRusso, former law enforcement officer, also an attorney. Lance, great job. I wish the uh, topic was better, but uh, it sounds like we're going to be talking to you quite a bit over the course of the year. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks so much for having me. Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health, because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Check out the website, dipietro.com. We have original, unique, exclusive stories, videos, content, all our links to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's all right there. And that's also the best way to reach me. Log on at the website, depetro.com, depetro.com. Stop in and see my friends at Endzone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Football playoffs are here. It's a great crowd. Surround sound. Stop in, see Dana and everyone. It's always a friendly, enthusiastic crowd at Endzone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Bring some friends, make some new ones. I'll see you. Endzone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland.